0: So today is Friday, September 3rd, and we are just a few days before Rosh Hashanah. So very special study, Torah portions, Nitzavim, and this gives us strength for, for the new year. So let's jump in. Nitzavim, we're up to reading number six. And what better way to start than with this verse right here? This is like... ah. Beautiful. What do they call this? Mwah, like chef's kiss? Is that a chef's kiss? Did I get that right? Yes? Like that? Delicious? Yeah? Oh, uh,
1: like this. Like being like this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, so yeah. there we go. There we go. Nitzavim, reading six, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 11. It's short and straight to the point. For this commandment, which I command you this day, remember, this day means the, today, right? Today, September 3rd. This commandment which I command you this day is not concealed from you, nor is it far away. In other words, Torah, mitzvot, you might say, ah, it's too hard. It's too difficult. Ah, it's too elusive. It's too esoteric. It's too far. It's too hard. It's too foreign. It's, no, it's not. It's not hidden from you. It's not distant from you. It is not in heaven, says Moses, verse 12. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and fetch it for us? To tell it to us so that we can fulfill it. In other words, you might say, oh, the, these, the ideals of Torah are so lofty. You have to be a himmel mensch. You know what a himmel mensch is? Himmel means heaven and mensch means person. Himmel mensch would mean a, uh, a heavenly being. Yeah, it's not, I, for me, I'm a layperson. Torah mitzvot, it's for someone that's, that's in heaven. He says it's not in heaven. Torah is not in heaven that you should say, who, who's going to go to heaven and get it for us to tell us so we can fulfill it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and fetch it for us to tell it to us so that we can fulfill it. Right? So don't say that it's in the heaven and don't say it's across the sea. Rather, this is verse 14. This is the, 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 the punch And this serves as the core foundational teaching or the core foundation of the book of Tanya. Rather, this thing is very close to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can fulfill it. And there's so much to talk about. Let's jump in. Number one, on a very simple level, Moses is telling his people, on the last day of his life. This is the day that he will pass away. And he knows it. Everyone knows it. It's his 120th birthday. He was born on the seventh day of Adar. He passed away on that same day, 120 years later. This is his 120th birthday. You know how we wish each other till 120? That you should live long to 120? Moses lived 120 complete, full, precise years on this earth. On the last day of his life, he tells the people, Torah, mitzvot, Judaism, connection with God, don't make it bigger than it is. In other words, in other words, don't make it so big that it becomes unattainable. You know how we do that sometimes in life? You know how we make things that are important so big and so dramatic that it serves to actually handcuff us? so that we can't do what we need to do. You know, for example, it's like, oh, I'm gonna change the world. The world needs so much things, it needs so much fixing, you know, and I'm just one small person. I I might as well not even start. I might as well not even start doing this thing. Or, you know what, let me just make it more relevant to this conversation. Somebody looks at Judaism and says, wow, there's 613 mitzvot and so much to learn. It seems overwhelming. You know what? I'm not even going to start. That is that works. That's not a good that's not the, that's not the ideal way to think about it. The way to think about it is that it's accessible and it's doable and it's achievable one step at a time. We once had a speaker who who she has lived a very difficult life. She's she's a woman from California and she has, she had children with a very rare genetic disease. Not taste sachs like very rare genetic disease, and a, f- a few of them passed away um, at a very young age. She had, one son, she had one son, I think she had a few daughters that also, but she had one son who was healthy, but thank God, healthy and perfect and everything. And this was like her, the love of, this son was her everything like within all of her pain and, and, and anguish and sorrow and suffering and, and difficulty, this was her one son. I actually knew him. Yossi, well, I give away the story, Yassi Kreiman. He got engaged to be married. And shortly before his wedding, like, I don't know if it was a week or two weeks or whatever, a few weeks before his wedding, he was in a, just, uh, just a crazy accident and he passed away. And that to her was that was it that was it she had gone through so much loss in her life but this was the one thing that she had and now out of nowhere freak accident and now he's gone and she felt like that's it my life is done I had one thing now now it's done that's how she felt and Slowly, slowly, she figured out a way how to go on. So we had her several years ago. It's probably six, seven years now. We had her speak at In Town Jewish Academy. Her name is Devore Kryman. K R E I M A N or I E M A N? Kryman. Devore Kryman from Los Angeles. We had her speak. She came down to Atlanta. She spoke for us. Um, You might be able to find her talk. I don't know if it's up. It might have been before we got SoundCloud. Um, You know what? Somebody look it up and then let me know. You can email me and then if not, I'll put it up because it was an incredible talk. And I'll share one thing that she said. She was talking about how to deal with with grief and with loss and how 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 does one move on? How does one find a spark of joy in life after so much heartbreak. Like how do, how do you do it? She was just speaking her own experience. She's a, a very powerful speaker. And she one of the things that she said I'll always remember, she she said the way the way that she did it is by only focusing on the on the next step. Really on the moment and the step right in front of her. Because to think about, to think about how like she could, you know, carry on and do other things would be overwhelming. Like, to think about, like, the next year, the next week, or the next, you know, few days, overwhelming. But if she could think about the next moment, she could get through that. And she gave a a, a powerful analogy, again, something that I'll always remember. She said there was a group of students, grad students, that decided to do a project. And the project was eating a chair. They were going to eat a chair, a wooden chair. And the question is, how do you eat a chair? What they did was, they took it and they, they, they scraped it. They, 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 they took sandpaper or whatever it is. They scraped it to um, like a few, like the, a dust. And they mixed it in, their food, their meals, every single day. And by the end of the year, they had eaten a chair. They didn't taste it. It went down easy, right? I'm not, hold on, disclaimer, timeout. I'm not advocating this. I'm not blessing this as healthy or on any level. I'm just telling you a story that she told that I will never forget. And she said, the bottom line is, the short story is, how do you eat a chair? A little bit at a time. That's it. Oh, the story is on, oh, this is on SoundCloud. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. It's called oh, When Life Gives You Lemons, I think. Is that, Sarah, is that what it is? I can't
1: remember. I okay. just remember hearing you say
0: it okay. a while ago. Okay. ago oh, nice. Okay. So, so it's like, how do you eat a chair? <laughs> a little bit at a time. And, and this is really my take on what Moses is telling the people. Don't make Torah, don't make mitzvot bigger or so big that it becomes so overwhelming that you then shut down and can't do anything. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so Shabbos. You know how many laws and details are regarding Shabbos? There's no way I can do it. Forget it. I'm out. That's not, that's, that doesn't help anybody. That's not good. That's not, that's... The healthier approach is to say, all right, Shabbos is Shabbos, but let's break it down. Break it down. You have candle lighting. I can do candle lighting. Sure. Friday night, Kiddush. Sure. Challah. Absolutely right, services, yeah, whatever it is, break it down into components, one at a time, put one in front of the other, and eat a chair, I I mean, uh, Shabbos, right, that's the way it is, one thing at a time, one step at a time, and this is not only in Judaism, this this is a big recovery phrase, right, one day at a time, one step at a time, don't focus on the big picture sometimes, it becomes daunting, overwhelming, and it feels impossible, so what's what's the what's the better approach? One moment at one one present moment at a time. One thing at a time. So Moses is saying, it's not like overwhelming or you know, it's not distant from you. It's not in heaven. It's not across the sea. Rather, it's close to you. It's very close to you. In your mouth, in your heart, to do it. So I want to focus on that last verse. I'll actually put it up. Let me put it up for you. This last verse. Right? This thing is rather very, very close to you. Not just close, but very close. Mouth, heart, and action. So let's speak about this, and I want to speak about Tanya. The book of Tanya, of course, is the Bible of Chabad Hasidic philosophy. It's like the written Torah of Chabad philosophy. Everything else, all, of, all, all other, you know, uh, Hasidic Chabad works are almost commentaries on, not, not literally, but are, stem from that, from the Tanya. So Tanya is like the book. At the opening of Tanya on the cover page Title page. The author, the founder of Chabad, the author Rebbe, writes that this book is based on this verse that you and I are studying right now. The whole Tanya, the whole entire book of 53 chapters of Tanya, the epic work of Tanya is based on this verse right here. And what does it say? This thing, this thing referring to Torah and mitzvot is very close to you in your mouth, and your heart, to fulfill it. And he says, you know what the book of Tanya is about? The, what, is the, what is the mission statement of the book that I'm writing? He says, is to explain how indeed it's very close to you. Because sometimes it really doesn't feel like that. <laughs> right? Sometimes it feels like, wow, this thing is impossible. How am I going to do all this stuff? Or it feels like, uh, it's not me. Or it's too spiritual. Or too impractical. How is it How is it very close to us? And what does it mean? Mouth and heart and action. And that's what what Tanya is about. Should I give you the answer? The non-53 chapter, 30 second elevator pitch answer. I'll try my best to give you the, maybe not 30 seconds, give me 90 seconds. Let me see if I can pull off at least one... based on Tanya, one way to understand this verse. The Atar says that the way it works with the human being is that there's mind, heart, There's, there's an interplay between mind and heart. What we think about eventually creates feelings. And when you have something in your mind and you feel something in your heart, you're more likely to do it. So for example, if you're thinking about, um, I don't know. I'm only thinking of silly examples now. Whatever. You think, I'll just keep it vague. You're thinking about something, you know, a vacation, a destination, whatever it is, and you, you think about it, you're researching it, Start getting excited. Oh, oh, that that place would feel so oh, be so good to go there on vacation, the island, whatever it is, who knows. Then you're more likely to do it, to go ahead with it and book tickets because you thought about it, you felt about it, and now you're gonna do something about it. That's typically the way it works. Mind, heart, deed. Now, mind basically, you're supposed to when we study Torah, we're supposed to verbalize it. Because verbalizing helps us understand it. So mouth is a reference to studying Torah. And your heart means, so the first step is study. Then you feel, and then you do it. So how is it very close? How is it very close? Start studying. Start researching. Start looking into it. That's the mouth. Then you'll start feeling something in your heart. And then you'll start doing it. This is one of 53 chapters. One idea, one angle on this on this verse. To give you another example, the Shema. The classic prayer Shema, which is from Deuteronomy. We read the verses a few weeks ago in the Torah, as we were doing the Torah portion. The Shema says, you shall love the Lord your God, love Hashem, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So in Tanya, the alt asked the question, how can you command an emotion? How do you tell someone, you have to love? Listen, I either love or I don't love. What do you mean you should love? I should love. I should do a lot. Of, like, how, how do you, how do you um, mandate an emotion? You can mandate action. Let me, let me explain the difference. The, 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 um, the government can tell licensed automobile drivers that if you want to drive on city streets or county or state roads... You have to abide by traffic law. So when you come to a sign that's, I don't know, hexagonal, octagonal in shape, that's red and says the word stop on it, you got to stop. And and the the government's allowed to make that rule and is also allowed to enforce it. If you want to ride on a public road, drive on a public road, you got to stop. That's it. You and I, The government doesn't say, the law doesn't say you have to love stopping at a red light, at, at a stop sign. When you get to a stop sign, your heart has to swell with the feeling of, I want to stop, and then you should stop. It doesn't say that. It says just stop. That's it. It mandates action. Stop. Whether you like it or not, whether you're busy or not, stop. At a red light, stop. You don't want to. Right? We don't care. We, the government, we don't care if you want to or not. Stop. That's how, that's how we have order and safety in, on our streets. When it's red for you, you stop. When it's green, you can go. That's it. Take emotions out of it. So, you know, the author of Tanya, how is it that God, the Torah, kind of mandates an emotion? Not just do a mitzvah, but love God. How do you love God? And the author explains, the commandment is not in the emotion. The commandment is actually on the study. Study the things that will bring you to a love of God. Does that make sense? In other words, what, what, what the Torah is really saying is that we, the, the end game is feeling something for God. How do you get there? Through study. So, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Means, from the Hasidic understanding, studying the things or meditating on those things ideas that will get you to a place of love of God. So again, the book of Tanya... Hey Mark, good to see you. Um, the book of Tanya is very much... And um, Mark and I have studied a lot of Tanya, as I've studied with, with many of you guys, Tanya. Um, Tanya, a lot of it is based on this interplay of how the human consciousness works. How the soul energies work and flow. And it flows intellect, emotion, action. The ficha, the mouth, which again is symbolic of Torah study, which is verbalized, and then we understand it better when we say it, when we speak it, when we study. So there's Torah study, mouth, verbal study, which is thought, then, then feeling, and then action. So in short, this is more than 90 seconds. My apologies for that. But I, I, I guess we probably should have figured it was going to take more than 90 seconds. In short, the way we understand this verse, and I'm going to pull it up again. This thing is very close to you in your mouth and your heart so you can fulfill it. It all starts with study. When you study Torah, you're more likely to feel something and you're more likely to do the mitzvah. So study about Shabbos, be inspired about the beauty of, of, of the holiness of the, of the Holy Sabbath. And then you're more likely to want to integrate some of that in your life, uh, Friday night, the Shabbos Day, whatever it is to integrate that in your life. Okay, so that is that is the opening, that, that's uh, the opening four verses, the, the reading number six for Friday. We're going to do th- reading number seven, but just again, these are this is really a series of really powerful verses. And the theme here is, don't make it too big to achieve. Don't make Judaism, Don't make Torah, don't make mitzvot, don't make them overwhelming to the point that we're overwhelmed and we shut down, right? We don't want that paralysis that comes from being overwhelmed. We want to be able to break it down into doable steps, right? Like, don't don't jump to the conclusion. Like, don't jump like, oh my gosh, that's what it's supposed to look like. I have to get myself from here to there. There's no way I can do that. Take it easy. Slow down. Step by step. Every mitzvah is doable. Every mitzvah is attainable. None of it requires, like, you know, radical stuff. Yeah, Shabbos is, is kind of radical. There is some radical stuff there. But even Shabbos, right? Even Shabbos is step by step. It's, 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 not, so, it's not as radical as it might, it might otherwise appear. Speaking of Shabbos, I know I mentioned it as an example, but I just want to focus on it for a, for a minute here. I was speaking with somebody, I think, two days ago about this. Shabbos is like the greatest... First of all, it's the greatest. second of all, it's like the greatest secret. It's like the greatest secret. It's the antidote to all that to lot that 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 that, that plagues our society today. It's like this twenty four seven constant you know barrage of information and and connection and social media like all of this stuff, all the noise we have literally built into the fabric of Jewish life a day to turn to turn to tune what what did um the LSD guys say, "Tune, uh, tune out, drop, drop, drop out. What was it? Turn off and tune in. And drop, drop out, drop in, tune out, tune in. Something like that. It was three words. Like do this, this, that. But anyway, I'm not saying Shabbos is the new LSD. Um, what I am saying is, I mean, maybe that's a good bumper sticker. But I, what I am saying." <laughs> What I am saying is that it's, it's such a powerful way to just turn, just turn off from the noise and just like reconnect with ourselves and just be able to hear ourselves think and hear the other person without any, you know, no devices in front of us having a conversation. It's just literally... You and I having that conversation. Nothing, nothing in between. No other distractions. No artificial digital distractions. In a world that is so digitized and 24-7 and so, you know, bits of information, news cycles, etc. Et in a world that's so inundated with, with distraction, Shabbos is more precious than ever. I'm sure Shabbos was always meaningful in every generation, but I can't think of anything more meaningful in our generation than Shabbos. And it's almost like you got to try it to believe it. It's like you try it and now it's, I'm just going to go with LSD again. It's like addictive. It's like, oh my God, I get to turn off. I get to tune out for a, for a day and and, and everything still and, and life goes on. But I have my peace of mind, my, my sanity for 24 hours, 25 hours, whatever. That's amazing. That's the greatest gift. Shabbos is not... An obligation, as much as it is a gift, it's literally a gift, and it's something that just you need to try to to uh, to, to really talk about it, philosophize about it. But it's that it's that it's that experience that really is uh, is incredible. Anyway, the point of of reading number six is Moses says, "Don't make it too big. It's all doable. You can do it." This is like a you know words of encouragement before his passing. Let's continue. Ari. Yes.
1: Uh, I know I'm joining you late, so if you said this, please cut me off. Rashi says something about it about the Chumash saying, a Torah uh, saying it is not in the
0: heavens. Did you cover that? I mentioned it, but we didn't. We didn't. I, I didn't toggle Rashi.
1: Yeah, because Rashi says well, if it were in the heavens, <coughs> we'd have to go through it and to learn it.
0: So I said again, you'd have to.
1: Yeah, Rashi said it for if it were in the heavens you would have to go up after it.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned that parenthetically. Yeah. And, and, and then it would mean being super spirit, Like, oh my gosh, I have to be like an angel? Don't worry. You're fine. I, I have this, along these lines, it's, it's uh, interesting with the way, the way Mark phrased it from Rashi. I, there are people that come to me and say, you know, am I allowed to study Kabbalah? Or am I allowed to join this class? You know, I don't have a lot of background information. And I'm always like, just jump in you're good. Just jump in. You'll pick it up. You'll be fine. The main thing is to jump in. Don't let, like, don't think you have to have, you know, this under your belt or that experience or that, you know, level of, I don't know. It's not like, um, just jump in, right? Moses says, jump in. You'll be okay. It's fine. It's all, it's all good. Don't make, it's not too scary. You don't need to be in heaven, which again evokes this idea of a super spiritual angel. You don't need to be an angel. To do a mitzvah. And, and oh, you know what? And along those lines, let me mention something else that I haven't mentioned yet. People also tell me, like, I don't want to do that. That would make me a hypocrite. Because I'm not a religious person. People, like, label themselves, right? I'm not a religious person. So, you know, I don't want to do something that is, you know, hypocritical. And that would be, like, you know, me not being true to who I am. Number one, that's not true. Because... The truth of who we are is a divine soul, a piece of God. So any good thing that we do, any mitzvah that we do is absolutely our true self. It's just we're not, we, we just, we don't know. It. We just, we're not always aware of it. So that's number one. But number two, we don't, no one needs to be an angel to, uh, to do a mitzvah. You don't need to be like a tzaddik to do, to do a mitzvah, one mitzvah. You know imposter syndrome? You know what that is? It's a psychological... Imposter, Im, imposter syndrome. It's like where a person... It's usually in work or whatever. A person feels like they got promoted and then they have, their, they have anxiety and that maybe they don't know why, but at the core of it, you know, after some, you know, sessions of consultation and therapy, they realize that, that what's what's at, at the heart of this is that they don't believe that they're qualified for the job. You know, they feel like an imposter and, and they feel like almost ashamed of being where they are. And the antidote to that is to know different ways to explain it. Number one, we're all imposters, and we're all worthy, and both are true. In other words, there's no such thing as worthy, not worthy, imposter, not imposter tzaddik, not a tzaddik. Just do it, just jump in. It's you, it's, it, it belongs to you, it's, it fits you, it looks good on you, jump in. Yeah, you're qualified, you'll learn on the job, Everyone learns on the job. It's fine. You'll be you'll be okay. The whole thing is we get our heads, our heads sometimes make us overthink things, and we become like paralyzed by oh no, is this really me? Is this really? You have to just take it easy, and not and not and not uh, psych ourselves out, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. The other day
1: someone asked me, "Are you religious?" And I really didn't know
0: what to. say. Yeah, no, you mentioned that. You I think you mentioned that yesterday, and like, yeah, it's like a religious. I don't know. I'm doing a mitzvah today. You want to join? Let's study some Torah. We get... I mean, there's so many analogies running through my head. Like, imagine if overthinking anything just would be devastating. Like, we would just... It would just shut us down if we were, like, always. I don't know. Anyway, alright, so I think, I think everyone gets, gets the point. Let's move on to reading number 7. Alright, this is our final reading of the Torah portion. And this is going to take us into Shabbat. So let's go. This is great because there's a lot of free choice conversation in this one. Powerful verses. Behold, I have set before you today life and good and death and evil. So there's two, two sides. Two paths, two doors, door number one, door number two. On the one hand, you have life and good, a path of life and good. That's great. On the other hand, death and evil. Now you might say, well, who's going to choose death and evil? Not so fast, not so fast. It happens, right? Well, let's talk about this. Inasmuch as I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to observe his commandments, his statutes, his ordinances, so that you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land to which you are coming to take possession of it. In other words, I've set before you, just circling back to verse 15, I've set before you today life and good. And what is the life and good? Life and good is, I'm giving you the tools to achieve that. Right? I'm telling you today to love God. To walk in His ways. Observe His commandments. Statutes and ordinances. And when you do that, you will live and increase. So the key to life and good is walking in the ways of Hashem, right? You will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land to which you are coming to take possession of it. So it's going to be, you're going to have life, and you're going to have good. Life means life, and good means you'll be blessed in the land. So that's the key to the first path, right? There's a path in the right, a path in the left. The path in the right leads to life and good. Great. So how do we get there? Verse 16. Love Hashem, walk in his ways, and do the mitzvahs. That's it. That's your path. That's my path. That's our path to life and good. Verse 17. But if your heart deviates and you do not listen, and you will be drawn astray, and you will prostrate yourself to other deities and serve them, right, if you walk down a different path, not the path of Hashem, the other path, which is idolatry and, you know, all sorts of mishagasin. Then, I declare to you this day, says Moses, that you will surely perish and that you will not live long days on the land to which you are crossing the Jordan to come and take possession thereof. This is a theme, by the way, that we found at the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy. It was multiple times the same idea that if we keep our end of the deal, we'll stay in the land. And if we don't, then it's going to have a different conclusion. So going back to verse 15, there's a path of life and good, and there's a path of death and evil. So the path to life and good is paved with with, uh, commitment to Hashem. And the path, the opposite path, is paved with uh, turning away from Hashem. Yeah, that's what we said in verse 17 and 18. So Moses says, very... um, Uh, very dramatically on this, the last day of his life. This day, I call upon the heaven and the earth as witnesses that I have warned you. Look at that. That's, That's huge. I call upon heaven and earth to act as witnesses of this warning. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. You shall choose life so that you and your offspring will live. Again, I feel like I want to do this verse again a little bit slower. Moses says, I want witnesses that will be around for all the generations to, to follow. I'm not going to be around. You're not going to be around. So come 2,000 years from now, who's going to be around? 2,500 years from now, who's going to be around? Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth are still going to be around. The, right? The actual nature itself. The, um, the universe. So I call upon heaven and earth, the universe, to act as a witness and what is the witness, that I'm telling you straight up that you have two paths that are before you. I have set before you two paths, life and death, blessing and curse. And it's up to you. You can choose to live a life of blessing or, God forbid, the opposite. But it's your choice. And no one, not God, not your mother, not, uh, right? Not me, Moses says. No one is able to make you make a choice. No one can force you to choose. Choice is choice. Choice is free. Free choice. But know, this, what, know what's at stake. It's a life of blessing or a life of the opposite. A life of life or a life of the opposite. That's what's at stake. Imagine a parent. Imagine a parent having a heart-to-heart with their child before they go off to college. Imagine the parent says, look, you're going to be, going, you're going to be moving out of the house, living on your own, living with other people, roommates, and you'll have no curfew, you know, your, no accountability to your parents. You're going to be living your own life, and now you're accountable to yourself. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you, you can choose This way or this way. This way is going to lead you ultimately to happiness. This other way might feel good in the moment, but down the line, it's not going to be fulfilling. It's not really going to be a blessing. Your choice. Moses is our loving parent. Moses was the greatest Jewish leader of all time. There was no one that loved his people more than Moses. Right? Moses implores the people before, on the last day of his life. I ask of you, I want, to, I want to be very clear. There's a path of blessing and curse. Life and death. Choose life. That's what he says in this verse. I'll share it again. In this epic verse, verse 19, he says you shall choose life so that you and your offspring will live. This is where he breaks character. He breaks character. Until now, he's saying, there's the the choice in front of you. Right? This is like, there's a choice. And then he breaks out of character and says, I beg of you, choose life. Make the right choice. It's almost like, you ever speak to an attorney and they are required by law to like just give you the options but not kind of recommend a way to go? You ever have that experience? Yeah, like they have to give you all the options, but they can't recommend one. And you're like, bro, like, I don't know. I've never heard this before, but what should I do? We, I can't tell you what to do. I'm like, OK, stop. Stop that. Like, stop that. Get out of character. You're no longer a lawyer as a human being. Like, what should I do? Like, what's like you've seen this a thousand times. Like, what should I be doing? Like, I this is confusing to me. Choose life. Moses says, let me break character for a second. I'm giving you the options. Oh, up, up, path one, path two, right, left. And then Moses says, I love you. Please choose life. So that you and your kids will be okay. That's what I want. It's a powerful Rashi on this. Powerful Rashi. It talks about a father and a child. Let's toggle Rashi. Um, God says I'm saying Moses says because Moses is the one speaking but I guess you could say Moses is channeling God also whatever even though you have free choice nevertheless I instruct you to choose the portion of life in other words you have free choice but please choose this it's like a man who says to his son Choose for yourself a fine portion of my estate. And then directs him to the best portion, saying to him, this is the portion which you should choose for yourself. Look at the analogy that Rashi brings. It's like, imagine a father says to his son, you know, you can have my estate, you can have whatever you want. Choose something nice. What You can have this field, that farmhouse, Whatever, I don't know. I'm just, I don't want to think of farms and fields. Whatever, I'm thinking of ancient uh, you know, land. So you know, whatever you want on my estate, choose. Choose something nice. Choose something that you're going to enjoy. And then he takes his son by the hand and says, Psst, choose this. This is the best. This is what Moses says to the people. He says to the people, there's a choice. It'll, one ends well, one ends not so well. Then he takes us by the hand and he says, choose life. This is the (laughs) one. Choose this one. Check this box. And regarding this, the verse says, the Lord is my lot, a portion of my cup, you guide my destiny. Right? God is my portion of my cup and you guide my destiny. The last clause, you guide my destiny, literally means you laid upon my lot. That is to say, you laid my hand upon the good lot, saying, take this for yourself. Right? God directs us, Moses, God, whatever, directs us to the good portion and says, this is the one that you should choose. All right, let me toggle Rashi off, and we're going to conclude the Torah portion. I, this is like, I, I read it for myself, like with such emotional um, power. It's like a, someone who loves his children, and, he, and he's, he's about to step out of the world. He's about to, the soul's about to leave his body. He won't be able to speak another word to the people. At least verbal communication. You know, inspiration, sure, you know, from the other side. But you know, what, what would you say? What would I say? Probably something like this. You guys have choice. You, you know, you're, you're adults. You have options. But I want to tell you, one is a good option; one is not such a good option. And I beg of you, for this few years, I love you. I love your your kids, right? Choose choose the right path. Verse twenty. And what is that right path? To love the Lord your God, to listen to His voice, and to cleave to Him. For that is your life, and the length of your days to dwell on the land which the Lord swore to his forefathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. Let me explain that, that verse, which this last verse, which is translated literally, and it's a little bit clunky in the English. What we're saying here is that what is the path of life that you should choose to love God? Listen to his voice to cleave to him. And when we do that, that constitutes our life. And... That constitutes length of days. Not only biologically will we live long, but we will live long on the land which God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them and their descendants. Basically, this will ensure, when we follow the right path, it will ensure our own blessings, blessings on the land, in the land of Israel, to live long and prosper. That takes us to to the end of the Torah portion. It's a relatively short Torah portion. Very sure. If you noticed, all the readings pretty much were, were short. Um, but it packs a big punch. And as I said, it's, the context is so just incredibly powerful. A loving leader, essentially a father to the people, is, uh, is taking leave, physically taking leave. And these are his words. So what's, what's the go- What's the takeaway? I'll share with you my takeaway from today that I'm going into Shabbat with. Number one, let's not be overwhelmed. Let's not overwhelm ourselves to the point of paralysis. Let's realize it's just one step. What's the ancient Chinese proverb? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. If we thought of it, oh no, it's a thousand miles. How am I going to ever do it? Forget about it. Then we'll... Definitely never get there, and we won't learn in the process. But we take a single step, and now we're on the way. That's the way to do it. Take a single step. It's it's, it's near to you to do it, at least to do it. How you'll feel about it, alright. say that for the stop signs, but doing it, we can definitely take a step. So take a step. Don't don't let the, the journey get in the way of taking a step. And, yeah, reminds me of a story that I've shared before. The daughter of Pharaoh discovered Moses as a baby floating on the Nile River. Remember, he was in a basket. His mother put him in a basket. He was floating on the Nile. And the Torah says that she stretched out her arm and rescued the baby. The commentaries say that what happened was that she she was very far from the child. So she stretched out her arm, and magically, like um, gumbo style, what gumbo was that stretchy? Was it gumbo? So magically, the arm stretched. Gumby. Gumby. There you go. Gumbo's is the is the bakery in Crown Heights. All right. So gumby. Thank you. Gumby. Right. Magically, the arms, her arms stretched or, or like multiplied, and she reached a very long distance. So I remember there's a beautiful commentary on this. That's the cla- every, that's a classic commentary we learned it as kids. But there's a, there's a it's from the Medrash Talmud. Rashi says it. But there's a, a commentary that asks the question that's like the obvious question. It's a klutz kasha. It's like so obvious no one asks it, so I'll ask it. And this commentary asks it. So one second. If the basket was on the other side of the river and she couldn't reach it, why did she even stretch out her hand? Why? It says, once she stretched out her hand, then it, it, it expanded. But why did she even stretch out her hand if there's no way that she could have reached it? And the answer is obvious. She stretched out her hand. She did the first step. She took the first step. And God, and God helped the rest get done. And this is how life works. If we looked at the end of the journey and looked at where we were and said, there's no way I'm getting there. If that's our mindset, then we don't stretch out the hand. And the miracle never happens. The miracle only happens when we do the audacious thing. The thing that makes no sense. It's born of audacity. It's born of boldness. I'm not even going to say courage. It's born of chutzpah. The chutzpah to say, I'm going to stretch out my hand and somehow, one day, I'm going to reach that basket. But how? doesn't make any sense. Here, take a piece of paper. What's your mathematical formula? How are you going to make it happen? And the answer, Bacha, is I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know that not knowing how it's going to happen doesn't let me off the hook from putting in the effort to do it, to, to, to trying my best. It says in Pirkei Avot, it's not upon you and I to finish the job. But it's not our job to then therefore walk away. We are not free to walk away. We have to start. Yes, maybe it's going to involve divine intervention or assistance. Once we stretch out the hand, you never know what's going to happen. But to say, if I... Can't see how I'm going to reach it. Therefore, I'm not going to bother. That does the greatest disservice. And that does, we'll see a ray. That does the great, oh, you want to say, I'll get to you in a sec. That does the greatest dishonor. But forget for the negative. I'm saying the negative, let's frame it in the positive. The positive message is, this is the energy that I'm taking in from today into Shabbos, into Shabbat, Rosh Hashanah. There's a lot to fix within ourselves. There's a lot to fix in our communities. There's a lot to fix within our world. Let's not feel daunted by the gravity, by the importance, by the necessity, by the largeness of the task. Let's not feel overwhelmed and thus shut down. Rather, let us take that first step, stretch out the hand. Somebody needs something. A big, a big need. And you say, I don't have that much. I can only give, but it's, 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 not, it's not enough to, 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 to fill the need, so I'm not even going to give anything. We have to give. We have to give. Even if we think it's a little bit. There's no such thing as a little bit. There's no such thing. Right? Every piece adds up. And every piece means that we're opting in and saying, this is important, I'm going to be part of it. So this Shabbos, as we stand Shabbat before Rosh Hashanah, let us pledge this year, even before this new year starts, that this year be a year of action. A year in which we don't, our minds don't convince us that action, positive action, is the wrong move. Positive action is never the wrong move. The Yetzirah tries to convince us, because you can't go all the way in the first step, don't even bother. That's not from a place of humbleness, piety, or or um, pra- pra- uh, pragmatics. That's coming from the evil inclination, that tries to block us from taking that first step. It fears the first step because it knows once the hard does, once we make that first step, we're more likely to keep on going. So it says, no, 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 don't take that first step. You can't get there anyway. Let's not listen to that voice this year. Let's take action. Let's be strong. And with God's help, the arm will expand, and the road will become smoother, and the job will get done. Ray, jump in. All
1: right, so there's a saying of, you do your best, and
0: Hashem will do the rest. That's it. You do your best, Hashem will do the rest. Yeah, please God. May it be a year of blessing for us all. And a year of action, a year where we take action, we see something that, you know, see something, say something, see something, do something. That's my, uh, that's today's takeaway. Donna. Oh, sorry. Donna, then Mark. Yeah.
1: So two reflections. So when you're talking about how uh, likening Moses to, you know, father and child. So it made me think. So, you know, my father had cancer and before one of his serious surgeries, you know, he didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So he took me out to lunch like a, and he gave, you know, and speaking with me and addressing me in the same way that you were saying. Right. Moses. Powerful. So that was very nice. And the other thing, so we choose life, so that makes me think that's what we're doing. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, right?
0: Yeah. That's a really great. Yes, we are opting in and saying, God, we're hitching our, right? We're putting the, we're towing our, ourself, we're hitching it on your, on your wagon. Uh, Mark, Mark and then Sarah. Mark.
1: I've, I've got a very interesting uh, note on, on the Rashi. Uh, here we are. But where it says, and you, shall cho- you, and you shall choose life, Rashi says, I instruct you that you should choose a portion of life like a person says to a son. That's what you said. Right. Uh, and that Hebrew was what? Uh, okay, Adam, Omer, leave no, like a person says to a son. But I have a note here that some editions of Rashi read not... Uh, uh, leave no, which is to a, to your, to his son, but la chave ro to
0: his friend. Interesting,
1: to his friend rather than to his son.
0: Interesting. And I thought
1: that's a very interesting spin on
0: that. It's an interesting spin. I I personally like the parent child because you you just like you just it's so emotional, but a friend also yeah sure you want to guide someone in the right path you know whether. But I think I know with Moses and the people, I think it was kind of like a parental, I see that as a parental type, uh, but that is an interesting, they call it girsa, interesting other uh, uh, version of Rashi. All right, Sarah. Yeah.
1: Your instruction of us.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. True. True. Sarah, jump in.
1: I just
0: wanted to say go, go, gadget arm. There you go. Go gadget on. yes. That was a great
1: conversation.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right, thank you all. Um, again, Monday may or may not happen depending on what's going on, but I'll, I'll, I'll send out an email in the morning just to let you know the update. But I want to wish everybody a ksiva vachasimatova masuka agutka Everyone should be written and sealed and signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours for a good and happy and healthy sweet new year it should be a zisayar, It should be a sweet year where we don't have challenges we don't have any no difficulty no rough around the edges no sour all sweet um that's why we have honey right on rosh hashanah honey is sweet it's pure it's not tart it's sweet all the way through um it's also preservative, which means it should be long-lasting sweetness, not sweetness, saccharin that fades, then becomes taste bitter at the end, you know, like artificial sweetness, sometimes have a bitter aftertaste, but the sweetness should, should last. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very special to be with you guys every single day to study Torah. So I, I speaking very personally, I, uh, I treasure these times together and looking forward to more study in the new year. Um, or Monday, which will be era of the new year, um, but either way, um, thank you for being part of this, and um, thank you for all the love and support and everything for uh, for what we're doing here. Um, a quick scheduling note: either way, Thursday, please God, we should be back. If Monday happens or doesn't happen, Thursday, although it's a fast day, two days rush Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday we should be back. Either way, at twelve o'clock. So no in person uh, DBP, but we'll be, uh, we'll be online next week, at Is least a few days. and
1: coffee? Will that be in person? Um,
0: so, me? yes, good question. I'm not sure yet what we're doing, if I'm even doing a class Sunday. It depends because I know um, Labor Day, because of Labor Day, some people may or may not be around, whatever. So I'm still weighing uh, in on Sunday. I will send that email out this afternoon. So look for Cabal and coffee information. Look for DPP on Monday. And then um, otherwise, we're having services. There's a traditional service indoors. My service, out the learner service, in, um, interactive service outdoors, ten o'clock to eleven thirty, both days. Rosh Hashanah, um, chauffeur in each service. Tashlich day one at five p.m. at Piedmont Park gazebo. Uh, chauffeur in the Beltline, six thirty and seven o'clock, day one and day two. Um, join us and tell your friends, if, uh, not inside than outside, safely to do the mitzvah. All right, my friends. Um, lots of love and have a good Shabbos and let's, uh, lots, lots of energy into the new year. All right. We'll see you guys. Thank you all.
1: Recording stop.